Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore, and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area to join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus our Savior walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed. So now we're in Luke 23, and in verse 1. So then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. So Jesus had been betrayed by Judas here. And now the council agreed to take Jesus to the Roman authorities. And now he arrives at, before Pilate, who was the governor of Judea. The Jewish authorities accused him falsely. All this stuff's going wrong. They said he opposed paying taxes to Caesar. Now, any of us that have read this knows that that's not what went down. Again, they're using false accusation. I want to show you Luke 20 and 25. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. But then this blasphemy charge hits. He claims to be Christ, a king. The way they're saying it to Pilate, he claims to be Christ, a king. They're wording it as if to sound that Jesus is trying to start some kind of a revolution. They knew Pilate did not take well to revolutionary type of guys. So that's the way they're, they're trying to push their angle here. So in verse 4, Pilate stated clearly, Jesus is innocent. I find nothing wrong with this guy. But the Jewish leaders, they kept insisting he was guilty. So then when Pilate heard that Jesus was a Galilean, ding, little idea, a little light bulb went off over his head. He sent him to Herod. Because Herod is over the Galileans, uh, the Tetrarch of Galilee. In Luke 3, 1, it says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee. And so Herod just happened to be in Jerusalem right about this time. And it was somewhat of a convenient way for Pilate to kind of get Jesus off his back and see what Herod would do with him. Luke 23 and 8. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod 
with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. So Jesus told Pilate who he is, but refused to answer Herod. He told Pilate what he wanted, but he wouldn't talk to Herod. Why? Because Herod wanted a miracle out of him. Now, I have to really cash in here on this point because that is the American Jesus today that most Christians follow. That's what they're looking for. It's a hands-out generation, the serve me, bless me society that we live in today. It's no wonder most people today believe in a non-repentant salvation. All I have to do is say, Jesus, Lord, I'm saved. I don't have to repent of anything. They want a non-repentant salvation, but they believe in a Jesus that will still give them whatever they want. Now, Herod, he showed his true feelings about Jesus. He wasn't glad to see Jesus to see Jesus. He was glad to see Jesus for what he would get out of him. This is a picture of what goes on today. People look for Jesus. If he doesn't give me what I want when I want it, then that's when the true character really comes out. What did Herod do to Jesus? As soon as he found out he couldn't get what he wanted, he mocked him, he ridiculed him, slapped a fancy gorgeous robe on him like, oh, you're a king, okay, here, you might as well look like one, and sent him back to Pilate. Didn't get what he wanted out of him. Today's what they call seeker-sensitive churches. They promise that believing in Jesus is going to make all your problems vanish and give you an easier and a richer life. (laughs) That's not true. When people fall for this lie that they hear, they wait for things to happen. After they give themselves to a false Jesus, they wait for all these things to happen. And when they don't, then they leave that church and then they end up rejecting Jesus a lot more deeply than they did before because they were given a lie. That's why I refuse to venture outside of what God's word says. I only will teach what's in the book. I want you to know the true Jesus, not the one out there that everybody's making up. You see, we don't have a genie in a bottle Jesus who wants to serve us. We have the almighty God who hates sin, but sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we can save if we will repent of our sins, meaning turn away from them, stop committing them willfully, and therefore turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior and trust in him. Us serving him us serving him this is a decaying earth i don't know if you've ever thought of it that way this earth is rotting because it's passing away so living as a believer here on a rotting earth can be very actually difficult at times i'm not going to tell you coming to belief in jesus is going to make everything suddenly perfectly rosy so let's get to know the real jesus because the promises of riches that we will get are up there in heaven not down here See, I invest up there. I don't invest down here anymore. So let's get to know the real Jesus, the one we see here in God's Word. If you're treating Jesus like a Santa Claus, like, hey, I need something, give it to me right now, which is what Herod did, then you can expect silence. Jesus did not answer Herod a word. Herod had the wrong heart. I don't want you rejecting Jesus just because you had a false idea of who He is. I want you to accept Jesus based on who he says he is in his word. So Herod was only glad to see Jesus because of what he would get out of him. Herod had a selfish gladness for seeing Jesus. America viewing Jesus like this is selfishness. It's sinful. Jesus offers eternal life to those who repent, turn away from, walk away from their old lives. 
those who would trade this world for his kingdom. That means you've got to let go of what's down here if you want to follow Jesus Christ. And it comes with a cross to carry. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so Herod, he was glad one second, but now he's not, as he didn't get what he wanted. The truth came out, right? His real character came out. Sent him back to Pilate. What I find interesting is how Herod and Pilate were once enemies, but now they're friends. That's what the Bible said there, did it? It's possible that they were enemies because of what we see in Luke 13 and 1. I just want to show you something real quick. Since it's in the Bible, we've got to go over it. Luke 13 and 1. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So Galileans were Herod's subjects. Pilate had slain some Galileans in Jerusalem at a time where they were offering sacrifices to God. It was a bad deal. It would almost seem that since Pilate couldn't find Jesus guilty, maybe he could resolve the situation by letting Herod deal with him and at the same time use Jesus, who happened to be a Galilean, to try to restore political relations back with Herod. They were enemies because of something Pilate did. He's like, you know what? Let me use Jesus. Maybe I can mend things between me and Herod again. And so it seems that Pilate used Jesus for selfish reasons too, like he had some kind of political agenda here to patch up the damage done between himself and Herod over what he did to Herod's Galileans. So again, Jesus is not someone that we use for our own gain. People today, they still use Jesus to try to make money. I can see Pilate trying to restore political relations back with Herod because it's going to be good for business. I can line my pockets. And guess what? Some ministers do this. They use Jesus to make money. I'll write a book. I'll talk about Jesus, but it won't be the Jesus of the Bible. I'll tell everybody, just believe in him. You'll get everything you want. People are going to buy it up and I'll make money. This is wrong. Jesus is not to be used for selfish gain. There are even some people who think they're saved because they use Jesus as nothing more than a reason to escape hell. They think they're saved, they're not. I don't want you to use Jesus merely for escaping hell. I want Jesus because he is God and he's life. Don't use Jesus to escape hell. Use Jesus to receive God. That's what Jesus is for. Well, I'm not going to hell, I'm saved. What? What? I'm not going to hell because I'm saved. Well, yeah, but don't you acknowledge getting eternal life in that? Hell escapists, they don't find Jesus worth obeying or walking in God's will. They simply use Jesus as a fire escape. Don't use Jesus for selfish reasons like Herod did, like Pilate has done. Jesus saved me. I have repented of my sins and I have accepted his grace by faith. I believe and I trust in him. I don't strive to do things on my own power anymore. I already found out a long time ago that doesn't work anyway. I belong to Jesus, and it's my greatest joy to obey him and do whatever he tells me to do. Don't view Jesus with a selfish motive. And so with this political power move here, Pilate and Herod have now become friends. Pilate didn't get a conviction, but he did establish a political partnership out of Herod. You know what's interesting here? Wicked men, they can't be friends with one another like how Christians can. Believers in Jesus Christ have a friendship that exceeds that what's down here. Deep love friendships belong to the disciples of Jesus Christ. 
But when Jesus and his followers are persecuted, it's amazing how even the wicked will unite themselves together and their influences together, just like Pilate and Herod did to get Jesus, didn't they? They couldn't be friends until it was time to crucify Jesus. Now, they, now they're joined forces. Don't use Jesus for selfish motives. Luke 23 and 13. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. So we saw a traitor turn Jesus over to the authorities. That was uh, Judas. They arrested Jesus illegally. They tried Jesus illegally. They used false witnesses to try to testify against Jesus. So what we're seeing here, Pilate is being used as somewhat of a validating point that not only was Jesus sinless spiritually, but that not even their own legal system could find him guilty of anything. They couldn't find Jesus guilty of one single thing. He was guiltless. He was sinless. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was sinless. He was guiltless, clean, pure, in every count and in every way. And this is why Jesus is the only way to the Father, because he's the only man in history that could pay the penalty for us who all broke God's laws. Nobody, 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 Think of any religion you can come up with who they have their top guy set up as the top guy of their religion. Not one of those guys could pay that price, that penalty, like Jesus has done. Nobody else has been begotten of God. Nobody else died as a propitiation for us, which means to regain favor or to satisfy God. Only Jesus has done this. Only Jesus is sinless. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so it was customary for a prisoner to be released during the time of the feast. And so this was Pilate's next attempt at resolving the issue to get the Jesus problem away from him. Luke 23 and 18. And they all cried out at once saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested, and he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. You know, despite the fact that Jesus had been proven, proven innocent, the Jews wanted a known rebel, a murderer, Barabbas, to be released instead of Jesus. Barabbas was proven to be a murderer. Jesus wasn't proven to be anything wrong. 
Amazingly, they were more willing to have a, a murderer released back into their society among them who could end up murdering one of them than the Messiah. That's hatred for the Messiah right there. Now, the people, they did not love Barabbas. They said, give us Barabbas. They didn't love Barabbas. They didn't want Barabbas because they liked him. They wanted Barabbas because they wanted Jesus killed. They just wanted Jesus killed. This was backwards thinking. I've been talking lately about blind rage. This is blind rage. Nothing makes sense in blind rage. Just like we still see today. Political maneuvering against Jesus Christ. It makes no sense. When you see people on the news, on TV, government, whatever, doing all these maneuvers, and you're like, that makes absolutely no sense. Well, probably because it makes unrighteous move on their part. It doesn't make sense. I want you to see what it says at the end of verse 25. He delivered Jesus to their will, to their will. Pilate surrendered to the will of the people, not to the will of God. Don't ever surrender to the majority or someone else's will. Always surrender yourself to God's will. That's why we praise God with our hands up in the air. It's a sign of surrender. I give up. In war, if someone raises up their hands or they put up a white flag, it means I surrender. I give up. It's to show his enemy that he has released his own weapons. I have no weapons in my hand. Look, I have nothing which to attack you with. When we were in our sin, we were enemies of God. To demonstrate repentance in our praise, we lift up our hands to demonstrate that we have laid down the things that we used to cling to when we were God's enemy. We have released those things. We have repented and walked away from our instruments of warfare against God. Raising our hands to demonstrate, Lord, we surrender everything we used against you. And so now Jesus is to be crucified because that's what everybody wanted. Now, crucifixion was common in the Roman Empire, and crucifixion was reserved for the very worst of criminals. Luke 23 and 26. Now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? First off, my thoughts on this is what an honor it would have been to carry the cross of Jesus. Now, we don't know much about Simon of Cyrene, but he has been remembered for all time now in these gospel accounts for what he did. And on the way, Jesus warned the people of the coming persecution. Times of tribulation would come upon the country. And Jesus talked about how when the bad times come, people would call for the mountains to fall on them. It was like suicidal. Then he said, for if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? Jesus was saying that since his message was being rejected when he was there, present, then how much more it would be rejected in the coming years when he wasn't present. He was telling them bad times were coming. You couldn't accept me while I'm here. 
It's going to get worse. How are you going to accept me then? Luke 23 and 32. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Now, Jesus was crucified with two other thieves. And this might be part of the reason they were in a hurry to convict him. They were trying to push this through real fast so that he would be killed with these two soldiers who had been already scheduled to die. And also because they wanted it done before the Sabbath. But the main point here is that he died between two thieves. When you died in the middle, that means you were the worst of them all. They put him in the middle. He was the worst of them all. Now, Jesus was sinless. But here on the cross, he became sin for us and took on the sins of the whole world. And so Jesus' placement between the thieves did represent somewhat of an accurate truth. That upon him were my sins, your sins, and the sins of the entire history of the whole world. Do you like those time travel movies? You know, Back to the Future hit 88 miles an hour and you can go back, okay? Time travel's cool. Your sins, you come to belief in Jesus Christ, they time warp back to the cross. He's taken it for all of human history. So he was crucified between these two thieves as the worst because upon Jesus was indeed something much worse than the two thieves. And so he is crucified in the middle as the one who had the worst sin. Isaiah 53, 12. He poured out his soul into death and he was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with the transgressors here. Jesus asked the Father to forgive those who were killing him and he forgave one of the men sentenced to die with him. In verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. I want us to take intense notice, close notice, that he said this while he was being crucified. He didn't say it later. He didn't say it a long time before. It's like, well, I'm over it now. Now, Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing back then. He said it while it was going down, while the nails were being driven in, while he was being crucified. During the act, could we forgive like that? We can forgive like that, but only through Christ. Thanks for listening today, and please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations to Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, watchtherefore.tv, and mail, Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now 
at 713-624-0943. That's 713-624-0943. Keep watching for Messiah Jesus. This is John Peake with Israeli Self-Defense and Fitness. We are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers. We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training. Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.